Welcome to episode 15 of Out of Our Skull. This is Mia Davis. I am CJ. And we are the left-leaning podcast out of the Femme Faisant Network. Um, We're going to talk about local North Carolina news and national news. Yes, so busy, busy weeks. And I know there's some subjects we're going to gloss over because it's like I, I can't keep up every day. We can't give you all the news. Um, we, it's a revolving we report door to of you. the White House. <laughs> People are coming and they're going and, you know, it's on your lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give this to you the first and 15th of every month, um, which also means, I mean, if we were doing this every day, we could give you all we the news. We could give you all the news. But, the spread, but you don't want to listen to us for three or four hours. Oh my gosh, <laughs> no. And you could probably do it for three or four hours yeah. every day. There's so much crap coming out. So we'll start with our local news in North Carolina. So the North Carolina district lines. Three federal judges on Monday ordered North Carolina's state legislator to draw new legislative district boundaries within a month. The latest ruling against boundaries drawn by Republicans the judges have found improper. The unanimous ruling ordered the legislature to draw new district lines by September 1st. The order impacts 28 of the state's 170 General Assembly districts. While the court said last year discriminated against uh, African-American voters by weakening their political power. Democratic Party Chairman Wayne Goodwin said in a statement, We are encouraged by today's court ruling and hope that this decision allows North Carolina citizens to finally get the fair representation from their state government that they deserve. As the ruling outlined, this unconstitutionally elected Republican caucus has dragged their feet for far too long on drawing Democratic maps. So Republicans have hired Thomas Hofeller, a longtime redistricting expert who has headed remapping efforts at the Republican National Committee to be the one to draw the new district lines once that session begins. So, so how do you fucking figure <laughs> we're going to just... combat gerrymandering by hiring somebody who's an expert in gerrymandering? You just went, <laughs> took two steps forward and three back. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> Um, I don't know what good will come out of this with who they've hired. I don't know if any good will come out of this out of who they hired. It's no. nice that a federal judge that they've unanimously ruled that these boundaries are discriminatory. Exactly. Because they are. Um, but uh, we'll see what comes of that. They have a month. I guess we'll see that two episodes so, from now. Yeah, I guess on the September 15th. Yeah. Um, hopefully the, it'll be public knowledge what yeah, the, what the what district lines done. are going to be. Yeah. So... All right. Just when you thought it was good news, it wasn't good news. <laughs> yes. Um, so, um, other, other North Carolina news, we've restored the Campus Free Speech Act, which is based on the Goldwater proposal, which was released on January 31st and is now under consideration in several states. It ensures that the University of North Carolina policy will strongly affirm the importance of free expression. It prevents administrators from disinviting speakers whom members of the campus community wish to hear from. It establishes a system of disciplinary sanctions for students and anyone else who interferes with the free speech rights of others and ensures that students will be informed of those sanctions at freshman orientation. It reaffirms the principle that universities at the official institutional level ought to remain neutral on issues of public controversy to encourage the widest possible range of opinion 
and dialogue within the university itself. And it authorizes a special committee created by the Board of Regents to issue a yearly report to the public, the regents, the governor, and the legislature on the administrative handling of free speech issues. The North Carolina Restore Campus Free Speech Act accomplishes the lion's share of what the Goldwater model proposed, including the important steps forward on discipline for shoutdowns. Goldwater-based bills are under consideration in several states with more likely to follow next year. And any state bill that, is, that can be strengthened in a second legislative, round, second legislative round if universities continue to abuse their powers. Campus free speech legislation is now in play as never before. Um, I, that's good news. I, I think campuses should be a free speech zone. And this includes, you know, for speakers like Ann Coulter that I vehemently disagree with. But yes, she should be given, you know, if she's invited, she, she should be allowed to speak. Yeah, that's, I, yeah I, don't, I, I agree don't, with you. Yeah, I don't think you should be able to stifle even opinions you disagree with. Is her speech hate-filled? Yes. Is it, you know, is it discriminatory? Yes. But sometimes you need to, to shine a light on the cockroaches. Well said. <laughs> that's so, it. That's all we have for that's Carolina all for, news. That's all we have for local Carolina news. So a couple of good things coming out of North Carolina. Hopefully the district lines will be a good thing, but I'm, I, I don't know. With the hiring of I'm Thomas skeptical. Holfeller, I'm skeptical as well. So moving on to national news, um, utility companies announced plans for a wind farm. Dominion Energy announced Monday it will build a small wind power project 27 miles off the coast of Virginia Beach, Virginia. The plan includes a two-turbine project from Dominion and European firm DONG Energy aims to produce six megawatts of power or enough for about 3,000 homes. It would be only the second offshore wind farm deployed in the United States after the Block Island development off the coast of Maine. Now that is the first phase yeah. of the wind farm. There are plans to further it into the future. The project comes after a series of delays and cost overruns and Dominion lost a federal grant for the project in 2016 to do higher, higher than expected costs. Full deployment on its leased acreage could generate up to 2,000 megawatts of power, the company said. The Block Island Wind Farm, which is the nation's first offshore wind installment, came online in December, producing 30 megawatts of power. This is a good thing. I We need more wind farms. We definitely need more wind farms, but and I'm honestly surprised to see this under this administration. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not surprised that they lost a government grant, but... <laughs> Um, I'm surprised to see it under the administration. Um, I, this looks to be a, a private company um, and a European firm, so that probably explains how why they did it. So, <laughs> and it is off the coast. Yeah, it's not in the continental U.S. Exactly. Right. And it's not, so it's you know, not on a golf Trump's golf course. Golf course. Where, right. <laughs> that is our priority. Yeah, of course, that is our priority. <laughs> so goodbye, Mooch. Um, Anthony Scaramucci, communications director for the White House, was ousted after 10 days on the job. John Kelly, who's now the chief of staff, fired him after unloading, after he unloaded a crude verbal tirade against other members of the president's staff, including Reince Priebus, Mr. Kelly's beleaguered predecessor, and Stephen K. Bannon, the chief White House strategist. In a conversation with a reporter for the New Yorker. 
It was it was interesting watching all of the news commentators attempt to relay what he has said to the New Yorker, which basically said, you know, his, the quote was, I'm not Steve Bannon, I'm not trying to suck my own cock. And hearing them attempt to phrase that, I'm not trying to bleep my own bleep, <laughs> I'm not trying to suck my own bleep, <laughs> was very oh, funny. Oh, mooch. <laughs> As Mr. Kelly, a former four-star Marine general, began his first day on the job, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the, US, the White House press secretary, announced that Mr. Scaramucci was out. In a post to Twitter, just hours before the announcement, Trump insisted that there had been no, quote, WH White House chaos. Yeah, there's no chaos here. No chaos at all. We just can't keep anybody in a position. I think, I think Trump has finally met his match. For somebody who is so poorly spoken <laughs> to news reporters and the public. Um, yeah, that, that 10 days. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I lasted longer at McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> um, next up, Trump, Trump dictated Junior's statement. So we did do a special right? um, uh, broadcast about Donald Trump Jr.'s statement. You can, that's a previous episode. You, you can, can look that up. look that up. It's called Nothing Burger. Yeah. We didn't number that one, so yeah. it's just called Nothing Burger. Nothing Burger. And that's a timeline of Donald Trump Jr. and his <laughs> meeting with the Russian lawyer and his statements that he didn't yeah. meet with the Russian lawyer then did. And then it was about adoption. Then it wasn't about adoption. <laughs> and then nobody was there. And then somebody was there. And then eight people were there. <laughs> so, so here we have more updates. <laughs> Trump helped come up with a misleading statement on Don Jr.'s meeting, imagine that, flying home from Germany on July 8th aboard Air Force One. Trump personally dictated a statement in which Trump Jr. said that he and the Russian lawyer had primarily discussed a program about the adoption of Russian children when they met on June, in June of 2016, according to multiple people with knowledge of the deliberations. The statement issued to the New York Times as it prepared an article emphasized that the subject of the meeting was not a campaign issue at the time. Trump team met with lawyers linked to Kremlin during the campaign. The extent of the president's personal intervention in his son's response, the details of which have not yet previously been reported, adds to a series of actions that Trump has taken that some advisors fear could place him and some members of his inner circle in legal, legal jeopardy. Quote, this was unnecessary unquote, said one of the president's advisors, who, like most other people interviewed for this article, spoke with the condition of anonymity to discuss sensitive internal deliberations. Quote, now someone can blame, can, now someone can claim he's the one who attempted to mislead. Somebody can argue the president is saying he doesn't want you to say the whole truth, end quote. Um, eye roll. Yeah, a, there's some visible eye rolls <laughs> going on right now. Although misleading the public or the news media is not a crime, Advisors to Trump and his family told the Washington Post that they fear any indication that Trump was seeking to hide information about contacts between his campaigns and Russians almost inevitably would draw additional scrutiny. Quote, the thing that really strikes me about this is the stupidity of involving the president, end quote. Peter Zeidenberg, the deputy special prosecutor, said, quote, they are still treating this as a family-run business and they have a PR problem. What they don't seem to understand, and this is a criminal investigation involving all of them, end quote. Um, Trump's lawyers also, when this first came out, Trump's personal lawyers came out and said that the, the president had no knowledge of this, and then they were immediately con contradicted by Sarah Huckabee, 
Sanders who said, well, yeah, he did have knowledge of it. This has been a shit show since the very beginning. This is just... It's a circus. It's a circus. It is so amateur. It's amateur hour at the White House right now. And I totally agree with Seidenberg there. Yeah. They're they're running the country like... It's, it's just business. a family-run It's a family-run business, business, and if they with have a, PR, a PR, problem. PR problem, it's just like, well, we can just gloss over it. It's just a PR problem. It's not a PR problem. You're from president of the United States of America. You're breaking laws. I mean, this, this is not the biggest witch hunt. No, that America has ever seen. You need to chill the fuck out with those statements. Yeah, and like, <laughs> and start doing your job. Ugh. It's... <laughs> God. So, I hope we get some answers about this. I hope there's I an hope, impeachment. I yeah, hope, I hope, I hope that there's proof, this, proven treason just... and proven um, interference. Yeah. Russian persuasion and all that. Moving on to health care. Uh, more updates on this. We've been talking about yeah. health care all year, too. Trump on July 31st hinted he may end subsidy payments given to insurers as part of the Affordable Care Act, escalating his threats to weaken the law. He tweeted... If Obamacare is hurting people, and it is, why shouldn't it hurt the insurance companies? And why should Congress not be paying what public pays? If a new health care bill is not approved quickly, bailouts for insurance companies and bailouts for members of Congress will end very soon, exclamation point, he wrote on July 28th, the day after Republicans failed to muster the votes to pass a skinny repeal plan that would roll back Obamacare's mandates. Um, and then Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky said Friday, bailing out insurance companies with no thought of any kind of reform is not something I want to be part of. <laughs> um, it should be noted that John McCain was one of the uh, senators that voted against the skinny repeal. Um, and he, he wrote a scathing statement. Yeah. Um, there, but more to the point, there are three or four female senators, Republican senators, that voted no from the very beginning. So kudos to, to McCain for finally coming to his senses um, and voting no, but more kudos to those senators who incidentally are getting threats. Yeah, Murkowski is one yeah, of them. is one of them um, from Alaska who, you know, got like a, a pseudo-threatening email from the White House saying, you know, it'd be a shame if something happened to your oil subsidies, wouldn't it? She's from Alaska. <laughs> I don't think she gives a shit. But, um, yeah, more kudos to them for voting no from across the board on this. Kudos to all members that have voted no. Yeah, because it's just... <sighs> and these tweets are ridiculous. These tweets are the why, work of a 15-year-old. Why shouldn't Obamacare hurt the insurance companies? Well, I, I, guess, I guess it should hurt the insurance companies... I don't care if it hurts the insurance companies. I care about the people. Yeah. And and why should Congress not be paying what the public pays? Congress does not pay what the public pays. They're so... They're meaningless tweets, and it sounds like they're coming from a teenager. It's just ridiculously sad. Well, and they come off misleading. Yeah. So if you're not politically wise, and you're a follower of Trump... That's where you're getting your political information, and it's yeah. highly unfactual. Yeah, very unfactual. <sighs> so he tweets again. Tweets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Trump's transgender remarks. Trump bans transgender in the military. He tweets, "We won't allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military." 
Both military and civil rights leaders were surprised by his June 26 tweet declaration. July. And s- July 26. Did I say June? Yeah. July 26 tweet declaration and citing the reason is due to transgendered soldiers causing tremendous medical costs. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption disruption that transgenders in the military would entail. Trump's argument doesn't pass muster according to a 2016 study conducted by the Rand Corporation which states that the additional costs of transgender medical care would only be a drop in the bucket for a Pentagon elevated by a supportive Congress. The House of Representatives passed a National Defense Authorization Bill that would raise defense spending to $696 billion in the fiscal year of 2018. At the high end, transgender health spending would account for 0.01% of the department's defense budget. The trans community backlashed with trending hashtag Hashtag trans is not a burden. McCain issued scathing statement against Trump's ban for transgender people in the military. The Coast Guard commandment rebuked Trump over the remarks, telling current transgender military members, quote, I will not turn back. We have made an investment in you and you have made an investment in the Coast Guard. And I will not break that faith. Although claiming to have consulted with military brass and generals, no one from the Pentagon said that they were consulted before the tweets were issued. In fact, the Pentagon was on alert for the nine minutes it took between tweets as they were unsure what Trump was going to say. Uh, This is is a smoke bomb. This is look over here, look over here, look over here. This is, you know, you've got some estimate that there's probably about 150,000 transgender people in the military. We have a huge military force. And these people are volunteering to serve their country. So, fuck you. They're going to serve. <laughs> not one branch of the military has come forward and said, yeah, we're going to do this. It's not law, because he can't just tweet a law. You have to actually sign legislation, dumbass. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, and he's giving more misinformation by tweet yeah. to the public. And he's also isolating a, a, popul- a, a pop- part of part a of our population, population that is already isolated enough and is already getting backlash since he was elected. It's, it's just kind of it's just disgusting. It is. And uh, if you're a transgender listener, you have our support. Absolutely. And if you're in the military, you definitely have our support. You're volunteering to serve the country. Yeah. So, now that that's said, let's move on let's from move that. On. So, Trump has yet to sign Russian sanctions. The bill, which was passed almost unanimously by Congress, would sanction Russia while sharply limiting Trump's ability to, pass pe- to ease penalties against Moscow independently. This is a no-win scenario for Trump. Signing the bill into law law will send an inexperienced and undisciplined White House into an escalating confrontation with Russia at a time when safeguards to reduce tensions have eroded. Rejecting the bill would galvanize resistance against the president and deepen concerns about possible collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia. Congress can quickly overturn a veto, a public repudiation that would underscore the president's impotence in this situation. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson said that he hoped the legislation would spur Russia to seek a better relationship with Washington. 
quote, the near unanimous votes for the sanctions legislation in Congress represents the strong will of the American people to see Russia take steps to improve relations with the United States. We hope that this will be cooperation between our two countries on major global issues and that these sanctions will no longer be necessary, end quote. Russia is likely to retaliate in ways that go beyond the expulsion of U.S. diplomats and the seizure of American diplomatic recreational areas, which Russia announced after the passage of the legislation in Congress. Should Trump refuse to sign the legislation, Democrats have pledged to keep a partial Congress in session to avoid a pocket veto, and the bill would automatically become law. Technically, if Congress is in recess, if he doesn't sign it in 10 days, it becomes law. If Congress is still in session. Um, so they're due to recess, but they're pledging to keep a portion of Congress in session so he cannot pocket veto this and it can't, it can't just die. Um, this was almost unanimously passed. I mean, both Republicans and Democrats, I think there was like two votes against it in the Senate and maybe three or four in the, in the House of Representatives. It was unanimous. Um, and it's sitting on his desk and he's not signing it. Um, so he has a few Well, does days. he even know where his desk is? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Put a line Probably of cocaine not. on the, on the way there. He <laughs> might find just, it. Yeah, just Jesus. Do, do the little amphetamines on the carpet uh, like you did for ET with the Reese's pieces, and he'd probably find or, his. Or tell him. Office. Or tell him Putin is waiting for him in his office. Yes. maybe he'll find him. Maybe he'll find it at that point. <laughs> um. So on to Trump's law and order speech. Trump, in a speech meant to focus on efforts to combat brutal gangs, including the MS-13 gang told the police officers to be rough with suspects. Quote, when you see these thugs being thrown in the back of a paddy wagon, you just see them thrown in, rough. I said, please don't be too nice, end quote. Trump said to applause, referring to officers shielding prisoners' heads with their hands. Quote, like, don't hit their head, and they've just killed somebody, don't hit their head. I said, you can take the hand away, okay? That doesn't... It doesn't... End quote. I read that's that... That's a quote. That's a quote, okay? <laughs> it's really that's... hard to read. That is not my <laughs> stupidity or my difficult reading. That's, that an, is... that's an actual quote of our president talking to police officers in New York. And it makes virtually no sense at all. We, I get what he's saying. I get what he's, he's saying, yeah, saying, too. Go ahead. Ram their head into the car. Um, <laughs> even though they're not, you know, guilty of anything quite yet. But, um, yeah, the quote makes no sense at all. The comments received with applause at the time were quickly rebuked by police departments across the country, including the Suffolk County Police Department in New York, whose officers provided the backdrop for Trump's remarks. Less than 24 hours after the speech, the acting head of the DEA sent his employees an email that reproached Trump's suggestion. Quote, the president, in remarks delivered yesterday in New York, condoned police misconduct regarding the treatment of individuals placed under arrest by law enforcement, end quote. DEA Acting Administrator Chuck Rosenberg wrote, quote, in writing to you, I seek to advance no political, partisan, or personal agenda, nor do I believe that a special agent or task force officer of the DEA would mistreat a defendant. I know that you would not. So why do I write? I write to offer a strong reaffirmation of the operating principles to which we as law enforcement professionals adhere. I write because we have no obligation to speak out when something is wrong. That's what law officers do. That's what you do. We fix stuff. At least we try." End yeah. quote. So immediately the DEA is just 
saying, don't listen to this dude. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders dismissed the email on Tuesday saying, it wasn't a directive, it was a joke. There's a big difference. And well, it's not a, it's not a directive it's or a, a directive. joke. It's not a joke. It's just, it, it's... Shut up, like, Huckabee. Sh- just shut up. Yeah, shut up. Really, shut up. <laughs> and tell your boss to shut up, too. Seriously, can he not get in front of people and not embarrass himself? Just once, can he not embarrass himself? <laughs> so, moving on, the court orders the EPA to do its fucking job. <laughs> A federal court told the Environmental Protection Agency Monday that it has to enforce an Obama administration methane pollution rule. The order from the Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit came after the judges gave the agency a two-week reprieve from its ruling earlier in July that the EPA broke the law when it tried to delay enforcement earlier. The rule sets standards for the oil and natural gas drilling industry that aim to reduce emissions of methane, a potent greenhouse gas and the main component of natural gas. It was a major part of former President Obama's second-term climate change agenda. The D.C. Circuit Court ruled in early July that the Trump administration overstepped its authority under the Clean Air Act when it tried to unilaterally delay the rule while it worked to repeal it. The EPA is also working through the regulatory process to delay the regulation for an additional two years. So basically the Trump administration is attempting to delay this ruling, this clean air ruling, (laughs) this, you know, trying to stop methane getting into our air ruling because it, you know, affects drilling uh, for natural gas and for oil. Um, and the courts basically told them, you can't do that. You, you have to actually do your job, EPA. It's the Environmental Protection Agency. That's what it's there for. That's what it's meant to do. And it's not doing its job right now. God, that's frustrating. Yeah. I really hope the EPA does prevent further pollutants from our water, from our air, from our environment. Yeah, that's what they're there for. That is the purpose of the agency and it's frustrating to know that right now they're being told not to do their job well let's move on we're just going to gloss over um trump's speeches to to the the girl scouts and the boy scouts i apologize i didn't even think about including the the speech to the girl scouts until cj here wanted to talk about the Boy Scout one. So I don't even remember what he said in his speech, but I remember that the Girl Scout troops were highly offended. Troop mothers were saying that they did not want to hear hate speech um, from it. I think he was, you know, um, I think he was talking about some members of the of the population probably well i'm not sure what he was saying i, I really don't remember the thing i apologize is the Girl scouts has always been a very it has kind of prided itself on being an inclusive uh group um they don't deny transgender uh scouts they don't deny gay scouts they don't deny sca- gay scout master or, or girl scout mm-hmm. troop leaders so they're in a very inclusive group and they pride themselves on that um, the Boy Scouts, on the other hand, has kind of gone away from inclusiveness. And they've attempted to ban gay scout leaders. They've attempted to ban transgender scouts. Um, and they did invite... Now, it is a natural thing. It, it, 
every year at the Jamboree, the president is invited to speak. And Trump did go to... Yeah, regardless of who the president is. Right, regardless of who the president is, he went to the Jamboree to actually speak and turned it into a political speech. Yeah. Which is not what it's meant to do. That is, that is also, I, I do remember at least that much, that he turned the speech to the Girl Scouts into a political speech. Yeah. And the Den, members, Den mothers were not happy about it. And now they've filed and been granted a restraining order <laughs> against President Trump. Which is just, oh my God, that is so amazing. That, that, is, that is creepy. It's really creepy. It's creepy. But um, his speech to the the Boy Scout Jamboree was just chock full of, one, again, talking about his electoral college vote win, (laughs) talking about the size of the crowd at his inauguration. It had everything to do with him and very little to do with the actual Boy Scouts. Um, he actually at one point dissed President Obama saying President Obama was never came to a jamboree. President Obama did record a speech for the jamboree and President Obama was actually a boy scout right at one point. Um, but he encouraged the crowd to boo for boo former President Obama. And then in the same breath said, what we don't want to turn this political dude, you just did. (laughs) You just did. It was highly inappropriate. I encourage everyone to go out and look for... There, there are several lists of the most cringeworthy lines from his speech. It, again, well, that sounds fun. You could make a, a, a bingo board. A bingo board. But again, reading through Trump's speeches is almost brain-numbing because it, they make no you ha- sense. You have to read it. At least for me, I read it and then I read it over again and try to pick out what well, what is the general idea here because the words flowing do not do not make any sense not, at all no um i can imagine if english is your second language and you're having to read it uh, what would you take away oh <laughs> i don't even know it's terrible but um yeah go and look it up because it's it is cringeworthy and it's and it's it's just mind-blowing that this is the president of the united states <sighs> speaking to a bunch of impressionable young yes. men all right well that is it for this episode that is um we will be back in two weeks to discuss things further and uh maybe at some point we'll we'll ring in the joyous there's been an impeachment i'm hoping i'm hoping at some point we let's can hope that. that august 1st is that episode August 15th. Uh, September 15th. September. No, geez, what month am I in? You're, we're on August 1st right now. August 15th. August 15th. <laughs> Thank you. Or at least it will be. Thank you, CJ. At least it will have moved forward a little Sorry. bit. Sorry. I, I get my uh, days of the week by Twitter, so. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the podcast. <laughs> All right. Good night, Scullies. Good night.